0: The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann is dedicated to teachers. We are, by nature, reflective. We all think back on how conversations went, or maybe how we could do something differently if given another chance. But how do we teach reflection in writing? I'm Brett from Heinemann, and today on the Heinemann Podcast, we're talking with Ann Whitney, Colleen McCracken, and Dina Waschel, co-authors of Teaching Writers to Reflect, Strategies for a More Thoughtful Writing Workshop. Reflection helps students build their identities as writers, learn what to do when there's a problem in their writing, and helps make writing skills more transferable. Katie Ray writes in her introduction to the book that the elements of teaching reflection is what's missing in many classrooms today we started our conversation on why we need to teach reflection in writing.
1: What we've learned is that it's possible to do things and even to do them well without really knowing why we're doing them or knowing how we did them. And that's a problem because if you're going to do the successful things that you did again in the future, you really do need some meta-awareness of what went on. You know, kids are really, for the most part, very compliant and they try really hard to do what we've asked them to do. And so a lot of times they will successfully complete a process that we've instructed them through without really taking ownership of that. So the book is about engaging kids in doing what they do more thoughtfully so that they are aware of their actions and so that they can learn from those actions.
2: We also hope that the tools that we're teaching them are not just like this once-in-a-moment tool, but something that they can continue to use And so knowing when and where this skill is something that they can use again in writing or even, you know, I just feel like right now we're teaching persuasive. How do I talk to my parents about different things? And that they have a reflection piece about when I did use this, how did it go to kind of enable them to
3: find other spaces to use them again in the future. And I think part of it as well is like building writer identity. We want them to see themselves as writers and to know as writers that writing can sometimes be hard. You know, they will experience success, but as writers, they have some control, right, over what they get down on paper and how they put it on paper. So we feel like that is also an important part, um, developing writer identity and having them really take ownership of their work.
0: Where does reflection take our writing?
1: Well, reflection takes writing from a one-time experience that you do in the classroom because we're at school and we do what we're asked into your own mind and heart as your own possession. So through reflection, you get from just completing activities to actually owning those activities and building them into a sense of who you are as a writer.
3: I think students can better understand themselves as writers as Ann said, I mean, I think sometimes in classrooms, and I think that this happened a lot in our classrooms as we started out, students would complete a writing prompt or a task because we asked them to do it, right? And they were trying to, in a way, please the teacher. You know, what does the teacher want me to do? That's what I'm going to do. And what we tried to do, I think, is hand the power back to students.
0: You write specifically in the book, that we need to teach reflection and not just ask for it. And you reference that, you know, in the older grades, there's a certain moment where students understand the concept of reflection. But when we're working with third grade or when we're working with the younger grades, we really need to teach reflection. So how do we teach reflection and not just expect it or not just ask for it?
2: All three of us have the lucky fortune of, in some way, teaching college students. And we have also found that we actually need to teach them how to reflect. Oh, interesting. We all three teach pre-service teachers who are coming into the profession and part of their job and their work while they're in this pre-service year is to reflect on things that happen. And we have done seminars and things with them about learning what we actually mean when we say to reflect, to actually really take a moment to think back and try to remember what happened and to try to do their best to describe it it's very helpful for them as well. So it's interesting that since doing this work, we've noticed that really spans all of the grade levels.
1: A lot of things that we do in the book are really consistent with the research on writing as reflective practice in all kinds of fields. So the writing that, as we mentioned, pre-service teachers do, keeping a journal as your student teaching, for example, or the writing that uh, nurses or therapeutic practitioners are encouraged to do writing where you process your experiences. The research with adults is pretty clear that people get better at that with a little bit of feedback along the way. It's one thing to say, oh, keep a journal. It's going to help you learn. It's another thing to be helped to journal in the ways that are most effective or the most productive of reasoning. So it's the same thing with kids. If you say to kids, oh, think on this, that's nice. But it's better if you can say, let me show you how to think on this. It's like anything. If we expect people to be able to do it well, we need to show them how.
3: We do a lot of modeling for reflection as well and a lot of thinking aloud as writers ourselves for our students, trying to break it down for them and try and build in opportunities to reflect on an ongoing basis, even if it is just a simple task at the end of a writer's workshop. Have students stop and jot down what was one thing that worked really well for you during writing today and what is one area that maybe you struggled with? Just trying to build in opportunities to reflect and model that reflection as well as fellow writers.
1: Yeah, that idea of struggle is something I really want us to talk about. So often at school, and I think in adult life too, we act like to do something well is the only way to do it. So if we experience something that's difficult for us, we think we're doing it wrong because it shouldn't be hard, Mm -hmm. right? So look at reading. So often the strong reader or the good reader is the kid who can read the fastest. And the reader who's struggling looks at that fast reader and thinks, oh, it's easy for him or her. When truly, I think many times the best reader or the strongest reader is the one who's really getting in there and digging into a text and struggling and rereading, and not understanding, and having questions about things, and going back, and really digging in in an active way. I think that's the stronger reader, but what that reader's doing doesn't look so easy. So it's the same thing with writing. Uh, I think when we started asking people to reflect, we'd say, okay, well, what was that like for you? And they'll say, I think it was good. And as we've gone further with our practice, we've learned that we really have to show the children how we sometimes find writing difficult. We need to talk about problems that we have as writers. When someone expresses a a struggle or a difficulty to us, we have to say to that kid, yeah, that's hard for me too, and really honor that. And the idea is not to linger on struggle, but it's to legitimize struggle as a daily part of writing. You know, if you look at a professional writing, somebody who does it every day and has written with tons of success, that person still finds writing really difficult. It never exactly gets easy.
3: Just as we build a community of writers, the notion that going back to the idea of struggle is that we all have different successes and different struggles with writing. It helps children feel like they can be vulnerable, right, and be honest with themselves and also with sharing out with the larger writing community within the classroom context.
0: One of you said earlier, you know, the importance about identity for the writer. How does reflection really help us build identity for a writer?
1: Well, that really happens through the three phases or components of reflection that we talk about in the book, remembering what has happened, describing what has happened, and then using that to take action relative to what has happened. So think about a memory that you have in your life that's important to you. Part of how it becomes important is by remembering it, remembering it with others, recalling it and telling that story. So for example, a family story. You know, maybe there was the year the turkey dropped off the platter and hit the floor. That is a, an experience to everyone who was there. But it becomes a treasured memory or it becomes a form of identity for the family after the family sits around telling that story and laughing about it and naming it the turkey incident and having inside jokes about that incident. The experience becomes meaningful and gives the family identity through remembering what happened, through sharing language about describing it. And then eventually for taking action on that, and in the case of Thanksgiving, maybe that action is just making a joke about it every time. But for writers, it's remembering to do different once they've had a learning experience. Or it's remembering to do again something that was helpful or successful, drawing on past experiences as we go forward.
0: You write in the book that by teaching reflection, teachers can also better see their students' needs. How so?
3: I don't know if it goes back to the notion where you can see a child like writing away, you know, on a piece of paper. But we kind of get a glimpse as to what's going on in their brain if they can verbalize to us the writing process what that they're going through, different things that they are experiencing success with, different things that they're struggling with. Like for instance, um, there was A particular student who, um, over the course of the year, really became very honest with his reflections. And when they were sitting down doing a, um, we had built-in assessments that are district mandated that we have to do. And this is a kid who's sitting there staring at a blank paper when I knew he was capable of so much more, was able to articulate his thoughts and say, you know, Mrs. Washell, it's very difficult for me to, respond to a prompt that you give me. I need to have choice. I need to have ownership in my writing. So I didn't feel like that necessarily writing task was an accurate representation of who he was. But just the conversation that we had around the task gave me more information as to who he was as a writer.
2: I also feel like their reflection kind of gives us hints as to more of what they think they're working on. And sometimes that can be really powerful as teachers about where to help support them, because we might look at their writing and think, oh, you know, they need to add more details or certain things like that. and through those reflection pieces, we can learn from them what their hopes are for that piece of writing. And when they don't align, then it kind of gives us ways of thinking about what can we help that student to do. And so I think just having some of those reflection pieces, especially the ones from the beginning of the year, when we're trying to get to know our kids, and we ask them about who they are as writers, it's so interesting to hear what they say about themselves in what they think they do well as writers, what's hard for them, and what they have been successful doing. And so it just kind of gives us ideas as we go forward what we're working with with the kids.
3: And I think one of the thing as well is um, sometimes when I sit down with a child and I've looked over his or her work, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know what, maybe this child needs to focus on further developing the setting or needs to build up more dialogue in the story. And I think it's so much more powerful if it comes from them. And sometimes they surprise me with different things that they feel they need to work on that can be much more complex than I would have perceived.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of this comes from an ideology that Dina and Colleen and I all share, and that is trusting the kids as good sources of information about their own learning. You know, we have multiple sources of information for knowing how a kid is doing and for knowing what his or her needs might be. I really think the child ought to be one of those sources. And we trust kids and we honor their sense of their experiences. And by teaching reflection, part of what we're doing is we're teaching them how to express those needs, right, in ways that ultimately they can get help for themselves. They're not going to be in Miss McCracken's room forever. They're not going to be in Mrs. Walsh's room forever, but they are forever going to need to be able to call upon resources to get what they need as a writer or just as a learner. So part of the value of reflection is in making their learning needs visible to us, but part of it is about teaching them how to go and get what they need down the road.
0: Well, and one of the ways that you do that is you talk a lot about the importance of description in relation to reflection. Why is description so important? Oh, it's huge.
1: Um, How can you ask for something that you don't know how to name? It's like going uh, traveling in a country where you don't know the language and you want to order food, or for example, you have an allergy and you need to ask questions about it in order to ensure that you're served food that you can eat, but you don't know the words for anything. It's nearly impossible. So you really have to have language for what you're doing so that you can share with others. The other thing is that it's, in part, it's by telling a story that we learn what that story is about. Let me give you an example. Um, if you go to confer with a student who's writing, and that kid is struggling, and they say, I'm having a really hard time. Okay, that student now knows, and you know that she's having a really hard time. But if that student has words to say, I'm having a hard time because I'm worried that my ideas aren't good, or I'm having a hard time because I have too many ideas and I can't select among them. Or I'm having a hard time because I'm concerned about this reader who's not gonna understand what I'm saying. You have so much more to work with there than you do if you just say, I'm having a hard time. Right? The better we can name things, the more power we have over them.
3: And I think too, it's going from vague to more specific. For instance, if a child sets in a narrative writing unit, I don't think my story is as interesting as it could be. Specifically, what do they need to do to to push their writing forward? So it could be adding more details, using um, more descriptive language, further building up the setting of the story. So we try and give them a toolbox of terms that writers would use to talk about what they do. Yeah.
1: And it's also the shared language of the discipline of writing. When the kids go down the hall to PE and play volleyball, they learn the words of volleyball, like serve or bump or spike or whatever and it's the same thing with writing there's specialized language that we use in the community of writers and if the kids are going to be members of that community if we really mean that then we have to help them have the tools that they need to really take part in the conversation with us
0: one of the other things you know speaking of the tools that you mentioned throughout the book one of the tools that i really love in the book are the call outs that you have on invitations to reflect tell us a little bit about those I
2: think one of the things that we tried really hard in writing this book as we work through many of the aspects is that we really do want this to be accessible for teachers no matter where they are. And while we realize that we are very fortunate that we can co-teach across second and third grade, that we're fortunate that we can work so closely with and through the university, we know that there's a lot of places where that may not be the case. But still, we do think this work is important and we do think it's possible. And so just inviting people to think through what's happening in their practice, in their classroom, and just giving them things to think about, we thought that would be a really important step in the book creation.
1: Just in general, teaching goes better the more you can think about it. (laughs) right it's really hard to get good at something without reflecting on what you've been doing what went well that day what was difficult that day that's true for writing and it's true for teaching as colleen mentioned a lot of times teachers are busy we've got way too much to do the emails are coming the phone's ringing the children are walking in the door your colleagues poking their head in there's not really a moment to settle down and do tons of intentional reflection so we were really careful about showing the ways that you can be reflective as a teacher through your day, using the tools that are at hand like a post-it or the notebook you're already using with kids or the planning tools that you're already using and kind of poke reflection in there at easy small points throughout the day, rather than it being another thing on your to-do list. You know, the last thing we want and the last thing we even can do ourselves is, you know, add on an entire task to our day. Instead, it's about building reflection into everything we do.
2: I think one of the really special things about the work that came from this book is our triad approach and how all three of us really were so crucial in our conversations. I think our conversations were really the biggest piece in helping both the book, but also the teaching that we do to happen. And that, I guess, would just be my hope for other people that they can find someone to have conversations with. Because without question, I've learned so much as a teacher just in talking with both Dina and Anne, and I just feel like that's really elevated what we're able to do with kids.
0: Our thanks to Anne, Colleen, and Dina for their time today. Their book, Teaching Writers to Reflect, is available now on Heinemann.com. You can learn more about reflection and download a sample chapter at blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.